Hello, my name is Alexander Morari, and I'm the founder of ITK Media. You've tuned into our podcast about Central and Eastern European startups that are in pre-series A stage. And today's guest is Anne Ronell, the co-founder of Reverse Resources. This is a company that develops and has developed software solution for major fashion brands, their garment suppliers, and recycling partners to cooperate on closing the loop for production leftovers. In a very big nutshell, Terre Homicust. You know, Estonian is one of those languages that I don't quite like because I understand nothing and there's no chance I will learn it. So you have all the advantage of uh, probably knowing one of the most complicated languages in the world, but also English, yes. of course. That's how they say. Happy to so as a warm up. Yeah, yeah, and uh, as a warm-up, uh, at a very high-level helicopter view, so to say, um, what would you say, like, you come from Estonia, and the company is based in Estonia, and I cannot avoid this question, what do you think, in a very nutshell, you don't have two hours, you have two minutes, maybe, uh, what do you think has made, uh, has, has enabled Estonia to become something like, you know, uh, European Silicon Valley, you could say? Well, uh, there are definitely several reasons to that, that combined together, but the uh, most popular story that I've uh, that is usually said, told is, uh, is how Estonia founded Skype and how at some point those guys who started Skype, they started to spread out and invest their uh, knowledge as well as their, their funds into next startups and next together with the tiger jump that Estonia did spreading um, uh, computers in all the schools in, in early 2000. So uh, different things at the same time, we are pampered with a really high level of digital services as uh, citizens as well. And, and it, it kind of settles in. So it's easy to think in, in IT logic. Yeah, okay. And um, we know Estonia has produced lots of interesting projects and um, uh, startups, of course, with global reach and so on. And let's move on to your own solution and product. Um, the company, which is Reverse Resources, first and foremost, explain wh wh why this name and, of course, then your market, target market and your target um, clients as well. And then we'll, we'll move on to some visuals so that we better understand like what they're doing and, and why, of course. You know, to explain the name, I have to go back uh, to why the company started. Um, it, it, it came from that um, um, tension of, of uh, wanting to live uh, a very sustainable lifestyle as a consumer and not having um, enough options to choose from uh, and then needing to bend my own consumptions. Uh, con consumer habits, which I realized is not actually changing the world. So uh, I, I started to investigate what, why, um, why do some companies put sustainability into their core focus? What do they get from it? What is the business returns? I stumbled into textile industry with my with my curiosity. And, and, and discovered that there is a really big problem um, with uh, with sustainability issues in, in textile sector. 
and and especially my focus went into waste management as as i visited bangladesh first time in 2013 and i saw how massive amount of waste is generated so my my curiosity was how to turn that in waste into resource for fashion industry um and and especially so solve it um uh, as a uh economic um, puzzle of, of how to really incentivize fashion industry to you look at waste as a resource and that's where the name reverse resource came or started from um and i forgot the second part of your question <laughs> yeah yeah and that's uh, your uh, um, target audience or target target clients because from what you say i understand that you what you saw the problem of um ineffective usage of uh, resources in textile industry as such and more specifically manufacturing waste right it's not yeah. It, it yeah it's not the, the clothing that we are wearing already it's what what is left after a successful manufacturing process right but not effective you say Yes, we, we found that uh, that uh, when fashion industry often is looking at post-consumer waste problem first, then in fact when when we look at what is what what are the recyclers doing and, and especially the recyclers who can take textile waste and turn that back into high quality materials for fashion industry to close the loop, then those recyclers have biggest problem of accessing the exact waste they that, that works well with their machinery they need to know what the compositions are what is the yeah, background okay. very chemically and and their post-consumer um can't be used yet because post-consumer can't be sorted by composition yet there is another te technological gap there that needs to be sold so industrial waste actually is the low-hanging fruit for the recyclers and that's why we we have put our attention on industrial waste first but the marketplace or the the, the platform we are building will eventually handle both industrial and post-consumer we're just waiting for that uh, supply chain to come together in post-consumer. Oh, I see. You say post-consumer waste is very difficult to segregate and to to understand basically what type of uh, textile you have or what type of chemical composition and and, and technological kind of um, history, right, of this uh, waste. And it's much easier at the manufacturing stage where you know exactly that um, we, through through what channels this or that textile. Uh, type is going into the sewing machine or otherwise. Okay, okay, yeah, exactly. interesting. And so, to be effective on this on this level, I think you also need to work with manufacturers that are advanced enough or or that have um, you know organized enough manufacturing systems uh, where you can trace what type of textile goes into what um, into what um, end product and what waste textile you can use for what needs as well right is it is it easy to find i mean in general you would say bangladesh and other i understand asian manufacturing companies are they overall modern state of state of the art kind of equipment based companies or just trying you know to catch up with the demand without investing too much into uh, equipment overall as a side question as a side side note here well, uh, countries who produce a lot of garments, they are most commonly the, uh, those countries where the labor force cost is very, very, very low. So it is 
uh, more meaningful for to do a lot of manual work there than to set up machinery. We have seen very advanced uh, factories in, in Bangladesh and countries like that as well, but it's just, um, it's very difficult to compete with, uh, with machinery in a um, low labor cost country. So it just doesn't okay. make sense. But uh, when, when I come back to the question that they have to be well organized, then um, we've done waste mapping surveys in different, in 20 plus countries by now, and 80% of waste is not segregated by composition from production, not because of the level of advancement of the company or the production, but because as we all treat waste as waste. It's common mm -hmm. to push ah, okay. that okay. into one okay. pile and push it out of the door. So we are in fact introducing this logic of, of why should the factories segregate their materials by type? What, how to incentivize them? How to work together with the large brands who are inviting their suppliers, their subcontractors to start segregation of their waste? Uh, this is kind of, um, the, the innovation of our platform is to understand how we're bringing four different stakeholders onto one central point, how to communicate and how to incentivize different parties to act in a different way. So we are an IT company, we are, we are uh, applying the, the, or using the value of digitalization but yeah. the majority of the work we do is actually related on incentivizing and, and developing market, lowering market barriers, working with policy development and doing a lot of this uh, research and development of, of a complete new market, actually. Mm -hmm. So you want to reactivate basically manufacturing waste. And so in a way you have to educate or maybe to change or maybe to, to, to put in order the paradigm of the manufacturing process, so to say. And why do you say that, why do, why do you say that your company is basically preparing a, a platform which will be what, uh, Uber for textile waste? Uh, well, I, I guess it's a bit of cheesy way to put it, <laughs> but uh, but it sometimes is the easiest way to explain that uh, uh, we we are very much used to think about waste management companies as the ones to solve all the problems with waste that they collect it, they sort it out, they clean and, and sell it forward. What we are in fact uh, doing is kind of turning that whole model upside down instead of uh, of giving that to the, that um, all the task and power to the managed uh, waste management uh, parties to to do that and and um, their business case usually then is brokering like get yeah. the material in cheap and sell high what we're doing is is changing the model we we uh, first, connect the supply and demand. We match which waste from which factory could go to which recycler. Then we suggest who could be the middleman to do collection and cleaning and delivery and logistics. Yeah. Uh, and we make sure that there is only one middleman instead of five, four or five, as it's more common right now. Uh, so we op optimize the supply chain. We reduce manual labor. We connect supply and demand and we 
make that material go really fast and efficient from one point to, the, to another. So that's why it's kind of a metaphor to say that Uber, as you, you connect the driver and, and the client first, and then the, the car comes. And just to make sure I understand it correctly. So let's take a manufacturer manufacturer A, okay? So they have a certain amount, let's say 5% of their textile goes into waste. You are trying to reactivate this uh, waste and then this waste is uh, channeled to what through the recycles and so on, recyclers and so on. The, this waste is channeled to other fashion manufacturers, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, okay, clear, clear. So um, the idea is what, to keep the whole um, uh, waste resources um, close to the or, or place of origination, which is again, mostly in Asia, I understand. So this, this, is, your, this is your goal, right? Well, eventually it will make the most sense cost-wise to recycle mm -hmm. it as close as possible to where it's generated. Right now, when we are uh, doing most of the work with factories in Bangladesh, we actually are helping uh, recyclers from Europe buy the waste from Bangladesh. And, and this is massively happening regardless of, our, of us in that market. Bangladesh doesn't have uh, so much recycling locally, but they have a lot of cotton waste and cotton, 100% yeah. cotton okay. is the best material for the recyclers. So all the new emerging recyclers in Europe who at the moment yet can't use post-consumer waste, but they already want to start um, um, scaling up their industrial production, of, uh, of textile waste recycling. They are actually now buying their waste materi materials from uh, Bangladesh, India, Pakistan. Um, yeah, this is where it's just massively coming. So what we're we are helping to do is by mapping the, the materials, helping the recyclers to come enter the market in India to do recycling locally there uh, while also um, uh, seeing how we can support the post-consumer uh, collection in Europe so that the feedstock becomes available in, in Europe. Mm -hmm. So currently you basically look, you, you, you try to supply European recyclers with uh, manufacturing fashion waste from Asia. Um, I understand putting it to vacuum kind of uh, uh, compressed vacuum compressed what uh, uh piles or just say like bags and then transporting this uh waste to europe right yes it comes in big uh, big bales but it's it's not all coming to europe we are uh majority of the textile waste still stays in in uh in the southeast asian region um so a, a lot goes from bangladesh to india india is heavily um, recycling uh, already uh bangladesh uh, is starting up, so um, we see a lot, a very fast expansion of, of recycling volumes in Bangladesh locally as well. So I would say that uh, textile to textile recycling is is about to boom as a as a market uh, sector really fast over the coming uh, few years. Mm -hmm. And let's have a look at a visual support as well uh, prep um, we'll compare the current reality as you describe it and then your own solution um, by the company reverse resources okay 
Yes, and okay, let's uh, have a sum up and overview of the solution and what you're doing using this um, visual, okay? Mm -hmm. Sure, so um, reverse resources um, platform is like a digital layer between um, a brand and a supply chain. As a matter of fact, I was um, mentioned that we we talk about brand because at the moment we are most commonly working with with different large brands. But in in fact, the, it can be any kind of a collaboration and partnership on on that top level level who is interested to close the loop of of material so from uh, manufacturing to to recycling. Most often right now we, we work with brands, largest brands, because they are the ones who have the leverage of inviting their suppliers to start segregation of their waste. And they okay. are on the other end, most interested to buy back the recycled materials. Mm -hmm. and, and that leverage or that market um, 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 power, I would say, is really important uh, because we don't have the support from policy. We don't okay. have the public sector stepping in and, and asking everybody that, hey, you have to start segregation of your waste. And, and, we, and, and we need somebody to go and ask because, and, and have that power to, to ask. Uh, because uh, otherwise, even though we can demonstrate that factories, once they start segregation of their waste, they start earning better for the waste. There is, there is a positive business case for them, but the, the, the waste is always just a tiny part of your main business. And mm -hmm. it's not appealing or motivating if a, a, stand, a random startup from the street comes and asks that, hey, I want your waste. Okay. So that's why, why that brand is in that steering position or collaboration platforms as, as we work with quite a number of, of these brands coming together and voicing their, their ask together. Um, but yeah, we are, we are kind of like a data platform then to help uh, with profiling and waste mapping, how much waste is there, which type of waste is there. We create this live overview of, of the waste material flows we do matchmaking of supply and demand um, and yeah, basically build this step-by-step -step entry for everybody to smoothly start shift over and start um, participating. We create that, uh, we offer digital support in delivery of the waste from, from manufacturers to waste handlers to recyclers, create that digital chain of custody and do all kinds of data analysis, reporting and forecasting. Yeah, could you please explain, explain and expand this uh, number five digital chain uh, chain of custody? What exactly mm -hmm. do you mean by this? So it's very common that when we talk about traceability uh, through supply chains, instantly we think about blockchain or QR codes or uh, NIR uh, tags, mm -hmm. RFID uh, reading, whatever the technologies are. Um, in, in our domain, what we've seen is that waste has such a small value that as soon as you add a layer of uh, technology or, or any, any 
tools there, you make it too, too expensive already. So we just remained on that level of, of checking the information that are, is everybody in that supply chain telling the same story? And if, okay. as soon as that story changes, um, there, we, we check what, what went wrong, what, what is different. So we just ask everybody to, to register the data on their end. I see. And number six, data analysis and reporting and forecasting to be able to forecast how much, um, what's the volume of the uh, manufacturing waste will be and so on. You need to be part, at least an observer of the main manufacturing process, right? How do you plan to get into this kind of detail about uh, somebody else's business, basically, right? We, we aren't really digging uh deep in that sense that we're not doing auditing we're not going and, and checking if if the numbers are accurate but what we can do is compare the numbers um as soon as the, the factories start segregating their waste and they see that there is a demand for it and they can sell more then they start entering more of their their, their data uh, okay. as part of the profiling we also always ask how big are you? How much do you produce? What do you produce? And uh, thanks to our research, we, we know what to expect from their production volumes, how much volumes of waste we can expect. So we, we can, that's where, how we can kind of forecast what is the possible total amount of waste they might be one day um, sharing on the platform. But usually we see tiny fraction uh, that they start with. Either they, they have their other buyers or they don't want their, their, um, the brands to know exactly how much they waste they have. There are many reasons. And, and for us, it really doesn't matter at the moment because for us, it's important to build trust. It's important to enable all the suppliers to come in at the speed as, as they want and, and choose uh, and make, it, make sure that we can really make it sexy and, and appealing for them to want to participate and incentivize them. Um, yeah, okay. And yes, thank you. And you know what question popped up in my mind that basically uh, success of a company probably depends on how aware the suppliers of waste, all those big brands and fashion uh, manufacturers, how, how, how advanced they are in their corporate policies and and strategies basically and this pops and this brings another question you mentioned big brands known fashion uh, manufacturers uh, can you name some of them um since uh, early last year we launched a circular fashion partnership together with global fashion agenda and we now have 21 brands who have joined that partnership uh, first ones to join were, for example, Bestseller, OBS, H&M, we have Marks & Spencer, Kmart, Target, Australia, um, Bershka, Pull&Bear. So it's like really the biggest brands that you have globally uh, who have joined the partnership with the commitment of inviting their first uh, three brands, to, uh, three suppliers to join the platform. Um, I would say that it's not at the moment anymore so much about um, um, 
CSR policies. It is business. It is the whole industry having the commitment of becoming circular. Uh, there is a common understanding that by 2030, we have to be like, as so, some are uh, announcing that they're going to be 100% circular. Others have slightly different wording around that. But it is clearly a run towards who will make it faster towards these goals um, yeah. and who can market it better. So it's, it's, it's any more, doesn't have, it's not so much about just nice to have. It yeah. is becoming part of the, the mainstream business. Well, amazing. I'm happy I took the courage to ask about the brands and that you can share them. I just said, well, you mentioned Marks and Spencer, H&M, uh, all the brands of Inditex group, I guess. And if you have those on board, definitely you run the chance of uh, like inviting more and more um, of the same scale and caliber. And let's move on to next um, uh, next round. The next round will be uh, competition and competitive landscape. How would you describe the uh, tech space uh, that you're working in, and is there a big competition? If yes, name a couple. We um, are indirectly competing with um, waste trading platforms. So, if, like for example, Alibaba or um, I can't at the moment name them from the top of my head, but there are quite uh, quite a number of um, of these uh, platforms uh, that are try uh, that have tried to set up a waste marketplace but their business model still is that somebody sells and somebody buys and usually they manage with with any material type not textile specifically there are also platforms who focus on textiles only, but then they focus on fabrics, fabric rolls, full fabric, and, and upcycling, uh, not so much cutting waste and recycling. Mm. We also indirectly compete with traceability tools. There are some traceability tools for, particularly for waste tracing, who then focus on tracing, uh, again, any, any waste, often yeah. mixed waste and, and work with waste management uh, sector. And, and then there are traceable, but again, not with, with textiles specifically, there are traceability tools that are particularly meant for uh, tracing garment products uh, from where they are made to consumer, but they don't uh, then focus on waste again. Okay. So. We have indirect competition, but right now um, we are doing something quite unique and complex. So there we don't have direct um, competition that uh, we can highlight like that. So your direct and direct competition are either um, are two generalists in their approach, or they cover different uh, waste categories, you could say, right? Yeah. Okay, and thanks. Let's move on. And then round three is a couple of quick Q&A exchanges. As a co-founder of a company, what would you say are your most um, effective 
productivity hacks. And again, not the tools that you're using, but the ways of doing things, the ways of, the ways of organizing time, effort, you know, working time or relaxation time. What, what are your best uh, uh, pearls of wisdom you could share with us? You mean me personally? Yep. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. how that works? Okay, me, me personally, I would say that uh, the best hack, I've been running this company for seven years. Uh, I, I've been said to be a like diehard founder. And I often get this question, how do I, how don't you get tired? But I think that's actually my superpower is that I am also a mom and I have to finish at five o'clock and go, go home and do, and put my head to other things. So that really helps to switch off. And, and actually it, it, it helps to have that really good balance of, of life and, uh, and uh, work. How old is your kid and uh, uh, boy, girl? I have three of them, two boys and a girl, 12, 10, and seven. Say it again, 12, 10, and seven. Okay. Yeah. I also, I also have three, mine are 18, almost 10, almost seven. Interesting. Yeah. You know, you know, you know one, one of those like jokes or you could say what true um, wisdoms. If you want something to be done quickly and well, give it to a, a busy mom, busy, busy yeah. mom, right? So yeah. you were just a confirmation <laughs> of that, okay. Yep. So your, your productivity hacks wait for you after 5 p.m. That's why you, you know you have to be effective in everything you do. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, as far as like how to run meetings, how to prepare for the day ahead, um, is there anything else you could share? So after hours, I, I, we understand you have something uh, like three more, three more important uh, projects to, to manage. And during the working day, what other other things you could share? Well, I, I would mention that um, it's, it's kind of un uncommon, but our team is globally spread apart. So we do everything online. Um, literally for two years, I didn't see the, um, most of the team. Uh, so I, I had half of the team I, I had never met in my life in, in physically. And, I, and now with Corona at time, I think it becomes more common that we everybody works online but for us it's been like that always and it actually helps to save time because you don't have to commute and and you're you're focused you're really focused from one meeting to another um but uh, other than that i i don't um I, I know IT companies very often are data-driven, very fo like focused, uh, use these kind of hacks. I think we are different in, in that sense that we have, um, out of 14 people in the team, we now have two people who are technical. Others are doing operations in different countries, uh, talking with clients, doing uh, uh, project management, uh, all these supporting things is, is so much bigger part of, of our daily uh, work. So um, in, in, in that regard, we, we may um, slightly work more like a research organization, or organization than, than a startup at the moment still. 
uh, we are transitioning and then really fastly growing now our IT uh, part of the team. But uh, but but so far the the market development has just been such a big part of the work. So you gradually uh, switch to the next round, round four, where we discuss the company as well. Thanks, and let's uh, keep the tempo. So the company was founded uh, in 2014. Mm -hmm. Right now you are 14 people, and just should say you are um, gradually trying to increase your tech team, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. And you are mostly, uh, what, sales, marketing, and kind of... Um, Mm. market Operation. research you say operational stuff as well um, as far as founders the you have three founders yourself and runel founder and ceo you have nin castle uh they lasting right uh they are actually resigned from co-founders uh oh, okay. she got the twins and uh and got her focus elsewhere so it's it's me and nin uh driving the company right now Okay, so two two drivers, just to say. Okay, mm -hmm. and as far as the team, you are now um, actively recruiting, I guess. And for what roles? What roles are most critical? So at the moment, we are looking for a project uh, coordinator, uh, ASAP, uh, and we are just about to launch um, recruitment of uh, data specialist slash uh, analyst. Uh, business analyst um and and then thirdly we're gonna start looking soon for a sale, salesperson another salesperson to join the team mm -hmm. so you're okay with remote work i understand and let's focus on on salesperson what kind of uh, sales um personality or experience you think would be ideal for this role uh our current sales is doing really good uh, um, client um, relationship management and this direct communication. We're looking, we're going to look for somebody who supports uh, us more from the digital uh, sales and marketing side and, and through um, online communication and sales. Okay, okay, okay. Like what, creating inbound leads or, or like all those digital channels, uh, like sales and marketing, combination of sales and marketing, email campaigns, HubSpot, yeah. basically. HubSpot operator, you could say, right? Yeah, and demo yeah. material. It, it, eventually, we are doing corporate sales, so it's not so much mm. uh, like on social media uh, as, as you would have on consumer markets. It is more strategic... Uh, um, strategic marketing and sales in-house towards those large corporates, and and we do, may, uh, we have a, a large role in educating the brands in how to build their uh, journey towards yeah, their okay. economy and and how our tools are supporting them in that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So basically, this salesperson will be what speaking and targeting and communicating daily with uh, uh, providers or, or, or suppliers of waste, right? All those brands that you mentioned, and but also new ones to educate to try to get them in to get them over to the platform. Okay, 
interesting yeah we we have we have four target groups we have we work with yep. brands as our main client we work with recyclers yeah. uh, factories supplying the waste as well as the waste handlers uh in between so it's quite complex uh, message going through to, to four different segments yeah interesting like multi-dimensional okay and with this, let's move on to round five. And this is uh, the round where we discuss the funding history and uh, plans uh, for the future. This, this is called Formula F3, Funding for the Future. Mm -hmm. By now, as far as I understand, uh, total external investment is at about $2 million. And your investors are from all over the place, right? Including mm -hmm. Bangladesh Angels, um, uh, seed, seed round with uh, Fashion for Good, P4G, doing Estonian Environmental Investment Fund, uh, not to miss anyone, uh, the Duke of York, but also a grant from H&M Foundation itself uh, during uh, within the Global Change uh, Award. Uh, yes, anything else? Anybody else we, we missed? But this is about it, right? Yeah, roughly. It's um, what you listed is a mixture of different grants and awards. So out yeah, of it, yeah. when you say two million, then it's roughly half of it is from uh, equity investments, and half is coming from all kinds of grants and awards. So we have been very lucky to to be able to get this kind of free um, free um, money Cash. supporting yeah. from through through the years. Uh, yeah. Grants from Asian uh, Foundation, um, Postcode Lottery, Green Challenge, um, Estonian Environmental Ministry um, are the, the main bigger schemes that have supported us, plus then the private investments. Okay, mm -hmm. so mostly grants in terms of numbers, uh, number of number of grants, but as far as money, I guess, just to say half equity, half grants. Okay, yeah, interesting. And so last last financing uh, event was uh, October mid October twenty twenty one. I understand. And do you have any plans now for future future um, fundraising? If yes, when? Mm. How much? We are uh, still con constantly looking for grants and awards, and we have quite a, um, a list of large projects that are uh, just starting. Uh, and uh, this also gives us a good run runway or extends our runway constantly. So, um, but, but at the moment, the idea is to start uh, with the next fundraising round preparation uh sometime early uh spring and and close the round maybe q3 2022 who would be your ideal uh, types of uh vc partners i understand right any specific idea and how you would define your ideal partner or you would be open to anyone or is it the moment now to focus on this like you could say smart money uh, yes, we are getting more and more interest from uh, um, suppliers in Asia. We already have one of our recycling clients who invested in, in last round. Um, so, and also the Bangladeshi angels are uh, very closely connected with the textile sector there. 
uh, we, we get interest from Turkey, which is also heavily producing and recycling. So uh, this, this uh, strategic investments are uh, definitely going to be a bigger part of that uh, next round. Um, but um, I, I would say that um, mm, yeah, we haven't yet been able to raise the interest from traditional VCs or yeah, VCs, even if they are investing in circular economy um, or or are interested in this early stage as we are, then there are always reasons either we are um, too slow, for example, for some uh, where we are opening a new market and, and mm -hmm. not in that uh, fast competition phase yet. Uh, we, um, we are uh, maybe sometimes too unique. There isn't so, it's not so common to have investors in circular textile space. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's also, people are, are more careful if they don't know the, the sector. And, and in that textile space and in the strategic investment uh, world, I would say it's not so common to invest in startups. So it's been quite difficult and challenging to find that space of, of investors who would be interested in, in things like that. But, but I, I believe that with, uh, with the speed of traction going up that we have been seeing the last months, like we, we literally tripled our uh, monthly recurring revenue in three months, for example. So it, it is definitely uh, raising more and more attention. Can you share what the current MRR range is? So um, I would say that majority of our revenue is coming from this project funding, uh, where, as I said, we, we work with all these brands together and there is a, a, a project funding coming in. So it, it's difficult for us to measure this as MRR. But if we look at the very and, and, and th but this is covering our or an alternative for that subscription fee that we will eventually be charging from the brands. Um, so if you look at the more the traditional MRR of, of uh, different parties based, on yeah, yeah. the platform acting there, then uh, we are mainly charging now from or earning from this transaction fees of when we move the waste from factories to recycling and we charge from between. And from there, the revenue is um, now this month uh, getting close to 20K per month. Uh, dollars, right? Uh, euros. Euros, okay, okay. Okay, mm -hmm. okay, 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 interesting. So somewhere down the road, you, you do you think this would be um, like marketplace with a subscription or or, or percentage-based revenue model, or as a what, as a like SaaS, you could say, right? At some point, it's a software as a service, and again, as we have four different stakeholders, we have the luxury of splitting that cost between the four stakeholders. Uh, we charge brands per number of facilities they are monitoring uh, um, in terms of their waste generation, and, and they have their targets of reducing waste to landfill or waste to incineration from 
from their suppliers. So they are interested to, to have this, uh, this overview and they are then uh, paying us a subscription fee for per facility they, they monitor. Then we have um, recyclers who are buying or accessing the waste through the platform. They have a combination of a subscri monthly subscription fee together with the, the fee per volume of waste they are um, getting into their production. Okay. And and over the time we will apply a subscription fee also for handlers and and uh, factories. Depending. Yeah, on I'm the, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure this is not like an absolutely new idea for you. But I think among the potential like target potentially targeted VCs or VC types, you should focus also on those uh, you know impact investors. And then impact investing is gaining momentum definitely. As you definitely know that the general investment strategy for impact investors are is what they are seeking to generate like returns, but also creating a positive social environmental impact, and this is what your company is all about, I guess, somewhere down the road. And yeah. then, uh, so impact investors probably would be one of those uh, potential priorities for you as well, if you have not yet considered them or approached, right? Obviously, we, we have. Uh, it's also interesting, though, that the impact investors, they, they do have their uh, focus area still. Um, so it, it was an Indian, uh, uh, in, Indian um, not VC, but uh, organization that we work with, who explained that uh, well for me that uh, usually impact investors start from investing first into these really heavy social problems like uh, uh, hunger or lack of water or these kind of like humanitarian type of, of topics. Then they move further to maybe housing and, and, okay. and okay. energy. Okay. But, and, and only the third round, they come around more complex issues like textiles or and fashion. Mm -hmm. It, that's how he was describing the the VCs in in India because they're also impact investing is gathering uh, speed. In in Europe, I, I think that uh, it's not so well organized into different topics, maybe. But uh, but again, we, we for European VCs, even if they are impact investors, we are do, doing something quite unique because they don't know so well the textile space. In, in Asia. So even impact investors need to know that space. So I would uh, say, say about impact investment that um, there, it is definitely growing and uh, gathering speed, but um, uh, impact investors just the same, they need to understand the, the niche of the market, they need to have experience uh, I think in those investing in circular economy, they the the, the good strategy is to go into the different um, points in that circulation and do like um, uh, strategically investments across the whole uh, circulation. And and there aren't so many examples of that happening yet in textile space, but it is coming. And um, I am particularly happy when I can explain and uh, share the stories and, and create contacts for more investors come, to come along, along to this uh, journey uh, with us. So happy to um, land into conversations with, with anybody 
uh, listening and, and getting yeah. interested. Yeah, interesting. This is impactful, you know, solution and technology and your goal is also impactful, definitely. I wish you all the best and good luck. And uh, just to finish it all, uh, our conversation, you know, as they say, if it doesn't add value, it's waste. And what you're doing, you're adding value to the waste. And uh, you could say that what? Waste is only waste if we waste it. You do not allow that. Thanks a lot. All the best. We'll be following your successes. Exactly. Thank you so much.